Hey gang, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. We have one of the most intelligent, credentialed, amazing, licensed naturopath doctors on the show today. We have Dr. Adam Rind, who specializes in complex chronic illnesses. Um, He has not only his own podcast, which we will talk about in a second, but he drops knowledge on so many different topics, things like gut health, brain health, immune health, and nutrigenomics, which we will talk about today. Uh, Dr. Adam is the founder of Sound Integrative Health, which is his private practice based in Bellevue, Washington. And he actually received his doctorate in naturopathic medicine from the one and only Bastyr University. So one of the most well-respected in the naturopathic world. And he was also an adjunct teacher. I'm not sure if you currently adjunct there still, but I believe you did for five years. Um, And he also is the host of his podcast called One Thing Podcast, which features informative topics on the world of naturopathic, integrative, and functional medicine. And wait, there's more because he's on the show. He's obviously an amazing person. He's the founder of a nonprofit organization called Blanket for Cancer and is also a member of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians and Washington Association of Naturopathic Physicians. So Dr. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on today. Yes. Thank you for having me, Dr. Brianna. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the kind introduction. Yeah, I always joke because I feel like it's so, um, people a lot of the times will be like, oh, I'll record your bio after. And it's like, sometimes it's nice to hear from another person. You're like, oh, wow, I actually have done quite a few things. And I know you also write for some very credible um, magazines and kind of, you know, in the industry. So um, that is, I think, also very impressive because that is a great way for people to still learn. I know when I was very early in my career, I was just like reading as much of those kind of magazines as I could get. So do you have any advice for anybody who's maybe looking to get into that uh, kind of realm of maybe writing or contributing to some of those more professional kind of uh, outlets? Yeah. I mean, I think if you can turn your, your learning into teaching um, early on is really a um, good way to get started. I think, you have more time to learn when you're just getting started. And then if you can teach others what you're learning, um, it's, it's a great tool. And then after you teach it, use it and then come back and tell us what worked and didn't work. And um, those are always really good ways early on, I think, to get involved. I jumping at opportunities to, um, to teach others. Yeah. I always think that's the best way to learn something. That's why I like selfishly drop as much content as I do. Cause I'm like, no, this is really for me. Cause this is how I learn. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what everything I do is just an extension of, you know, my own learning, you know, it's like, um, try to build, build pieces of things I had a foundation to, and then build from it. And then I get excited to share it. You know, it's like, oh, I want other people to know this. It's, you know, because then there we learn more, you know, it's just kind of how, how it all works. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you obviously specialize in naturopathic medicine, which I think has 
really gotten a lot more positive press kind of these days. Um, but I also know that the whole field of integrative medicine and functional medicine can kind of get a little sketchy for people because they've either been burned by practitioners in the past or there's so much like clickbait stuff information now. So I would love to hear your definition for you and like what you have in your practice of like what integrative medicine means to you and what functional medicine kind of means. Like how, how do you explain that to people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think the definition is evolving um, based on these professions knowing themselves better. I think most of these professions started out kind of like a scrappy bunch of people who knew there was something more to healthcare and that there were missing pieces and the whole patient wasn't being seen or the whole systems of the body wasn't being seen. And thankfully from the pioneers of these fields, they kind of pushed the ball forward and it actually really took a lot of heat for what a lot of people are benefiting from now, as far as both consumers and practitioners of this. So, I mean, I look at integrative medicine as if you had a room of healthcare providers and all the egos were out of the room and everybody had the patient in mind, like what's best for the patient and everybody had their own piece and you, you went around the room and um, sort of each profession or each specialty contributed their view of that particular case or that particular condition. And, you know, from that, um, a strategy and philosophy and treatment approach was developed that really had um, that individual patient in mind. So integrative, like if I'm talking to an MD um, about a shared patient, I'm not thinking about how do I stop them from seeing this doctor. You know, I think about like, what does this, what, what does this doctor need um, that I'm able to provide that will benefit the patient? So that happens a lot in the world of gastroenterology, um, you know, with ulcerative colitis patients and Crohn's patients that are not stable, like where else can we support these patients and how do we work together? That's integrative. And it can be through psychology. It can be through nutrition. It can be through, um, physical medicine, it can be through naturopathic medicine, functional medicine, and how do we kind of fill the voids that aren't being met by conventional mainstream medicine? Um, functional medicine is, uh, in my opinion, more of a system of solving problems that are more like clinical conundrums, you know, so functional means that Technically, there's no pathology involved. So like the doctors do their workup, they do like imaging, they go through, you know, endoscopies, colonoscopies, MRIs, um, the works, uh, they do blood tests and maybe it looks, the standard blood tests look normal or uh, supposedly normal. And they say, nothing's wrong with you. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Functional medicine really takes over in that in that place. Like the, the patient isn't feeling well. There has been no answers from, from conventional 
diagnostics and assessments. And so the functional medicine really looks at the pathophysiology, the biochemistry, the physiology of like what's going on that are the imbalances of the body um, that are not going to jump out on a standard blood test. So there's other tools to guide you in functional medicine. Um, there's a framework of asking questions of what data you collect. Um, and then from there, you know, you, you, you kind of have a matrix of the body that you're looking at how all the systems of the body interrelate and what, what needs to happen to bring this patient in balance. Sometimes it's energy pathways. Sometimes it's hormonal pathways. Sometimes it's communication pathways, um, microbiome, uh, and you kind of look at this, this web of this patient and, and sort of, um, help bring things back into balance. Wow. Those were both literally the best definitions I have ever heard because I think that really you hit on a lot of important points. Number one, I think that kind of that web image of really where else can we go? And like, yes, your body is manifesting this symptom, but let's always follow that string out or down, or it's always interconnected. Anything can affect everything in the body is kind of what I always say. And also the idea of integrative medicine, which is what I'm so passionate about as well, because I joke all the time. I'm like, I hate group projects, but healing many times is a group project. And if you have a practitioner who is so like, well, we can't do this way, or we can't work with this, like that's a huge red flag. And I think it really is important, especially in this naturopathic field now where it doesn't have to be, okay, you have a headache and you took Tylenol. So you're a bad person. You can only take white willow bark. It's like, we can all play nicely in the sandbox together. And that's how I think healing happens. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important for every practitioner just to kind of know what their true strength is in the system of like, I mean, that's kind of like a, when I mean system, I mean like the system of uh, medicine or system of healthcare of, of um, system healing system, you know, how, where do you shine and what do you bring to the table? Um, and, and, in respecting other, professions for their knowledge and their expertise and, and learning from each other. Um, I think in the last five years, I'm really seeing this emerge more so than ever. And it's, it's exciting. Yeah. I think that's a great point too, is that like learning from each other, we should be doing that and removing our egos. And that's also, I think, a great way to look at it. Like, it would be like being good at baseball. Like, yeah, could you play all of the bases? Probably, but there's a reason you're a starting catcher or a starting short, you know, shortstop for a reason. Like, it's about who can do what they can do and then making it all work together. So I, I love that you said that. Um, right. And, you know, the the supporting each other's um and communicating in a way that the other practitioners that you're working with know that you have the patient in mind. Cause I think that's the biggest fear of working with someone like a naturopath or a functional medicine provider, or even an integrative medicine provider is like that. They're not going to think about the things that need to be thinked about, like safety and um, drug interactions and, those types of really important topics that need to be kind of vetted out before you even do anything like first do no harm is needs to be kind of an, an agreed principle amongst the professions, even though it's, you know, it's part of the, Hippoc the Hippocratic oath. It's, 
it should be sort of like a common language when we're working together. Once, once that's established, um, I think that's the biggest fear that's, that's out there from integrating is are, you know, are you going to hurt my patient? Are you going, you know, are you going to do something that's like completely out there that, um, you know, ends up harming that being said, um, a lot of patients are left and abandoned um, at times without a healthcare provider where the health provider has said, I, I'm out of answers. And so a lot of times those patients will end up seeking functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, integrated medicine care, because um, essentially um, they feel like they've been let go by their provider. And in those situations, it's kind of a whole different, um, it's a whole different energy to the relationship. It's like, yeah. you're, you're, you're kind of like in the trenches with them advocating, trying to figure out what's wrong with them, helping them link up with other providers that will support them too. Yeah. I've had so many people come to me and you, it's probably by the time they find you, they are exhausted. They spent so much money elsewhere. They spent time, they spent energy mm-hmm. and they just like, I've had people say like, for the first time, I feel like I'm finally being heard. And that is a really important part of healing as, I mean, you talk about it all the time, the power of, you know, mind body medicine, but I mean, what would you say to somebody who maybe like they are listening to this or maybe they're thinking about, you know, working with you and they're like, you know what, my health is just like too far gone or I've spent so much money. Like I'm really overwhelmed with everything I'm reading. Like, am I kind of a lost case? Like, what do you say to somebody who's maybe at that crossroads of their health journey? Yeah. I mean, I think, that state of being um, is it's loaded with a lot of things. So first of all, the fear of disappointment that um, putting the energy forth to another provider, another process with the threat of it not working out. So every time someone steps up to the plate again, I'm just like, I, I literally tell them they're my hero. Like oh. seriously, like that uh, to walk in the door of a, of a healthcare provider's office for the first time, just to kind of go for it again. Like that's, that's heroic in my opinion. I mean, and I think practitioners need to realize that like if someone walks in your door and they're seeking your, your care, that is just such a gift. Like, to like really cherish those moments because, and, and really respect what the patient's going through and realize that like, if in a lot of times they're that, what we don't see is how much it took for them to make the call, get in their car, put a, you know, put on their outfit and come to see you. So what I would say to them is the, the, the mindset when you've been through the trenches is to, to sit back and take an approach of curiosity versus hope. Wow. That's, that's kind of how I always frame things for my patients is that, you know, you've been through this over and over and, you know, someone um, assessed you with this particular problem, gave you this particular plan and it fell apart or didn't work for a number of reasons. So let's not do that again. Let's, let's learn about you. Let's, let's take, let's take a curiosity standpoint. So at the end of the day, at the very least, you know more about yourself 
than you did like when the before you walked in the door. Now that's that's kind of the approach I really take with people who are um you know kind of at that point. And of course like my, the East Coast side of me is like, yeah, 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 that's nice. <laughs> I just want to get better. Like, are you going to fix this problem? I don't care about that. But you know what? I I really hold strong on that because even though like the practicality and, you know, sort of pragmatic side of all of us is kind of like they're here to get better. Well, what if we engage in a process together where um, you build from here and, you know, we we, you might get better and that might be the result of it. But at the end of the day, if, if you know more about your body, your mind, your soul, by the time you leave this, uh, this relationship or this engagement, then it's all worth it. Yeah. I think that's so important. I try to always convey this message to people that I work with as well is like, you have to meet yourself where you are currently, not what worked for you seven years ago, or I used to do this or whatever it is. And it's also so much of it is really like unlearning and undoing and also just identifying like, what kind of stressor am I? What kind of person am I personally? Where do I actually break down? How do symptoms manifest for me? And to your point, I think that's what helps create that kind of individual blueprint of being like, yeah, I'm going to deal with XYZ kind of problems, interactions, triggers for the rest of my life. And so I really need to learn how I personally respond and break down. And sometimes that does sort of take a step back of having that curiosity and not to your point being just like, great, but I want to fix this problem now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, and it's, it's really important too when um, health problems have become so progress to the, the, the standpoint of like, there's fatigue, there's pain, there's um, anxiety, um, is having curiosity about yourself um, accesses parts of your brain that are a little bit separate from the body. Um, so like your body's feeling it and you, you, you have a way of connecting with your symptoms in a way that's a little bit more empowering than just sort of being um, sort of led by the symptoms. So um, curiosity has a lot of elements to it. Curiosity in the learning process, curiosity in what, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? What, 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 what is the process that got here? What have I learned about, you know, why did I wake up today with brain fog? What, what, what can I connect? And, Really, like the end of the day, when a patient doesn't need the doctor, we've or the healthcare provider, we've done our job. Yes, I think so many people are afraid that, like, if you give them the tools and quote fix them, not that anybody's fixing anybody, but that's kind of the mindset people have. That it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen to my practice or people? And it's like that. I you should be able to go on without me, like a parent and figure it out because we've given you the training and now you know how to check in with your body and like you've built your protocols, you've looked at your arsenal that you've built and you're like, yeah, this is a tool that I need today in the current space that I'm in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Dr. Jeff LeCoven, who was one of my early mentors, um, you know, he, he really stressed that like, let's help our patients get better. So they drive by this clinic, but they don't go into it. They just, 
they're telling the world about your clinic, but they're not in the clinic. Yeah. They give it a big thumbs up and they're like, yeah. I remember when. Was yeah. there kind of a point for you? I mean, I know that your son had gone through pediatric cancer and, you know, that was sort of the jumping off point for your nonprofit, but was there something else that was kind of going on or that you just woke up and you were like, I want to have my own practice. I want to help people. Like what was sort of the inception of, you know, your sound integrative, you know, health coming to fruition? Yeah. So, I mean, my son, Jordan, um, who got pediatric cancer, that was actually, he actually got diagnosed with pediatric cancer after I had already started my practice. So I was um, like, literally, you know, I went through um, the Bastier training, which was a very rigorous training. And then I applied for a residency. um, And then, uh, you know, kind of got involved with the um, academic side of clinical teaching and was um, basically, you know, kind of on staff at the the teaching clinic of Bastyr University, teaching students how to kind of approach patient cases and helping them. Like, essentially, I became an attending. And then um, I, you know, kind of my, my dream was... Um, sort of to do that part-time and then launch my, my own clinic. And that's kind of the trajectory I was because I always think of clinical medicine and teaching. You kind of, I feel like you have to do both to be a good teacher. You sort of have to like have, um, you know, you have to have like a uh, clinical experience. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I just never saw myself like as like one of those bow tie professors. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm like kind of a scrappy person and I like real world stuff. And I I used to love to come back to the teaching clinic and say, you know, I saw this yesterday, let's talk about it. And the the students being, you know, sort of really engaged and wanting to learn the fact that you just saw the case and it wasn't theoretical was really valuable in the teaching. So then, um, yeah, I mean, my, my life kind of changed when my son got cancer. I was like, I was like my fifth year as a teacher. Um, and I was also building my private practice. And, you know, I, at that point, I just I had to get really focused on sort of like um, a lot of things that I kind of had to let go of certain things. And I just fully went into my private practice so I could help take care of him. Um, and um, then just, uh ever since then it just got busier and busier and I've never gone back to teaching. Like I have students that call me up and sometimes want to come over and shadow and that type of thing. But um, yeah, it's just taken off from there. And I think, you know, the, the nice part about having your own clinic um, is that, you know, it's like your, your brand is a result of, you know, kind of the work you do, like, it just, you can express that side of you of like who you are and the business becomes kind of an extension of your values and, and of, uh, you know, kind of like what you want medicine to be. Yeah, absolutely. I always joke and I'm like, yeah, find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, no, it's quite the opposite because you love it so much. You can't help, but be yeah. fully invested all the time. Um, I know you have your physical practice, but do you work with people kind of like telemedicine at all? If people are listening to this and they're like, yeah, this is something that I would totally be interested in. Um, so I can only practice 
in states that I'm licensed in. So like the person actually has to be sitting in Washington Got it. Uh, to, to see me. Um, so, um, you know, I think at this point, like I'm looking into getting some license in other states just so I can do more telemed during COVID it really opened up and that there was like a lot of more telemed patients coming in from all over mm-hmm. the country, all over the world, because there was just sort of like this, I need help. Like, you know, there's nobody to see. And so I did um, have, you know, some more telemed inquiries and experiences during that. But at this point, I, I, yeah, I, I do, I, I do welcome communicating with anybody from anywhere. Um, and I'm open to like email interchanges or calling me up because I, um, I do have colleagues all over the um, country that um, I, I love to help people find the right care. Hey, y'all. If you know me and you've been a longtime follower, you know there are a few things that I absolutely love. I love doing research, I love being productive, and I love having lots of energy. But I know from time to time, finding the motivation to be productive can become difficult. So I actually want to talk to you about this amazing little drink that I have been taking that has not only improved my morning routine, but also my productivity. And the best part is I do not have to give up my coffee because you know, your girl loves a fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. So I want to talk to you about Magic Mind, a great formula that has adaptogens, matcha green tea, nootropics, and 12 ingredients that can really just help get you on the next level of your motivation, your to-do list, and your just creative flow. As with anything when it comes to our health, we know the power of compounded interest. So the benefits of drinking this every day builds with daily use. So if you are somebody who is maybe looking to become more productive, you want to potentially replace your morning coffee, you want to get into a flow state, you want to feel less stressed, you want to be more creative, this is something that you absolutely want to add to your morning routine. You know that I love utilizing botanicals and plant medicine, so there's a great formulation in here of ashwagandha and rhodiola. There's also lion's mane and cordyceps, as well as bacopa. So I absolutely love this product. And because I love it so much, you know that I want to be able to share this with you. Go check them out at magicmind.co slash approved and join a community of go-getters. You can also use my discount code, which is approved20 to get 40% off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase. My 40% off code only lasts 10 days, so hurry up, don't sleep on this, and I can't wait to hear how y'all love this formula. I love that. And just for all the listeners, this, this his website will be in the show notes, so you can all um, do that. And you still are a teacher when you said that. It made me go off my head because you have your podcast and you're dropping yes. knowledge on Instagram, so you still very much so are I can't get away from it. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, love, I love the... Yeah, the blog and the the podcast because you know it's like yeah I get to teach and share. Yeah, so I know that you know, and obviously with your practices makes sense. Like the field of I think personalized medicine has been growing and evolving, and people I, th- I think especially during COVID kind of understood that like okay, 
I got to really like be preventative when it comes to health and maybe understand that I got to, you know, take autonomy with my health as well. Um, and I know that you kind of specialize in nutrigenomics. Can you explain to people who maybe, you know, they've heard it, it's kind of a buzzword, they'll use it in a sentence, but they don't really know what it means. And since you give amazing definitions, could you give your Dr. Adam definition of what that means? Okay. Yeah. So um, I always like to think about like the Department of Motor Vehicles, like the DMV. Like when you walk in there, you're you're just like a number, right? You're literally a number. Like everybody gets treated the same. If you don't like what's going on, <laughs> you just leave. You don't want to drive. You don't want your car. If you know, like the DMV to me, I don't know if they still even. I think most people renew online now or what have you, but like going to the DMV, it was sort of like the opposite of personalized medicine. Like you're just sort of a number and everybody's treated the same. And so that's effective in certain things like, you know, screening tests or um, guidelines or big public health measures and large kind of moving large groups of people in a certain direction. So there's, there's a place for it. And then the opposite end of the spectrum is individualized, personalized medicine. So like when we think of you as N of one, so like, you know, imagine um, everybody who went into the DMV had like a personal assistant that got to know them so well and was like catering towards their needs. Um, so the the individual medicine really, really looks at the person's um, not only what's happening to them kind of in, in actuality. So this is like um, blood tests, uh, physical exam, um, imaging, uh, various functional labs, but it looks at risk factors based on um, genetic polymorphisms, um, which are basically um, subtle changes in um, certain gene genes um, that may cause certain processes or enzymes in the body to work less effectively. So this is not like gene deletion or like Down syndrome or very serious like genetic diseases. This is more on a standpoint of um, risk factors for issues like risk factors for um, higher cholesterol or risk factors for um, ischemic brain disease, risk factors for uh, immune disorders, mast cell activation, um, celiac disease, and uh, even, even things like um, risk factors for low levels of magnesium or low levels of B12, thyroid disorders that would not be picked up on a standard blood test. So what, what this really means is that patients have a puzzle that's not being figured out and they can't figure out like why the conventional recommendations or even naturopathic or functional medicine recommendations aren't working. So we do genetic testing and we look for um, certain subtleties um, on certain pathways that may be running less efficient. And we, we try to address those pathways through nutrition, um, nutrient supplementation, sometimes botanicals. Um, along those lines, there's a lot of emphasis in this field about mental health. So 
we look at polymorphisms on transporters um, of certain neurotransmitters like SLC transporters for serotonin and um, dopamine receptors. Um, we also look at inability to convert dopamine to norepinephrine and um, issues with uh, glutathione deficiencies, glutamate excess, all these really, these nuanced variables that um, help people select therapies that are more precise for them. And so it, when it works, it's like all the trials and tribulations that people have put in, you know, in, with like a few recommendations, things really take off. Um, but it, it's, it is something that really takes a while to learn. I've been learning it for like eight or nine years. And I'm just at the point where I feel like, um, like I'm more helpful than dangerous. How would that differ, differ if somebody's like, oh, that kind of sounds like uh, organic acid testing. And I know some people run that because it's a little bit, I think, more of a low-hanging fruit for people or maybe if they're a bit more novice. So are there any main points of differentiation for the listener's sake that they would say, okay, should I either do this genetic testing or should maybe I do organic testing or maybe a Dutch test first, which is obviously very different, but would there be maybe a, a certain kind of person or a certain point in your health journey where you say, this might be the better option for you? Yeah, I think it comes at two different points. Um, I do think the functional labs, so just to back up again, like that Genetic testing is more about risk factor or, or association. So there's a concept in, in nutrigenomics and genetics in general called epigenetics. And so if you have um, a predisposition, like a, a, an allele that has sort of a, a base switch um, that's at risk for a certain disease process to happen, it could sit there your whole life and do nothing. And, but then there's epigenetics, which are factors that will push those genes to express and start to kind of activate. So, you know, for example, mycotoxins or heavy metals or um, gut dysbiosis, stress, um, sleep deprivation, um, toxins in the environment, various other things that push those genetic pathways and make them really work hard. And then that gene will express and then the disease process actually starts to manifest. So the question always is, is like, when, when's this information most useful? So the, the functional tests and all your kind of lab workups will kind of tell you a lot about like what is actually expressing. Mm -hmm. So from a practical standpoint, you know, why would we even worry about risk factors? And, you know, um, so you, in my opinion, you should do the functional stuff first and try to work with, with those um, scenarios first and standard evaluation, standard blood test. If you get to a point where you're stuck or if you're dealing with a very complex scenario, like someone on a, um, autism spectrum disorder or someone with really severe OCD or uh, someone who um, just had a stroke, but they're doing everything right. 
um, someone with early dementia, or, you know, you might want to tap into that to kind of do a gene, gene um, kind of genomic panel to, to learn some variables that are unique is to kind of see why this is expressing. So um, the other scenario to use it is like, if things are going great, you know, it's like, you know, just like, why not? If, if you have the pro proper boundaries around it, and you're not, it's not going to make you have health anxiety, like yeah. to kind of step back and say, this is kind of what I have as possibilities and how do I navigate the terrain so that I don't, um, you know, sort of express, um, you know, for example, a perfect one is APOE34, which is, you know, sort of a slight risk for um, uh, Alzheimer's disease, um, like not early, but um, just sort of an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. And, um, you know, if you find out you have that, it's not like, okay, you better make your plans because this is happening. So, but what it is, is like, you know, you better keep things in check. You better make sure you know what your homocysteine levels are. You better, better take, stay on top of your inflammation in your body. You better keep exercising. And it's like very motivating to kind of know like, okay, well, this, this may happen. And it's very, very informative as to health practices and why, why they're useful. Wow. That I think was such an important explanation for people to hear because to your point, health anxiety is a real thing. And I think, again, the nature of we think a little bit is good. So more is better. More information is not always better for that person who loves to go down a research rabbit hole and self-diagnose and play Dr. Google. And I say this to, to clients all the time. Like if you're a at the level where you really do know how to check in with your body, you know what you need and you have extra like time or money or whatever to kind of mess around and be like, yeah, how can I really fine tune or what I call like upgrade my kitchen? Like the kitchen's been working fine, but you got a lump sum of money and you want to put granite countertops in now, fine. Like that's what you can do. So I think that's really important for people to hear that it's not always what you should be doing day one, visit one with a naturopath or whoever you're working with, because it can be really overwhelming. And then there can also be confirmation bias. Yeah. And I just, I want to say something about the nutrigenomics world that sort of drives me bonkers. Um, I just want to say something because I think it's something that early on I kind of got caught up in. And, and after learning from an actual geneticist, like how to put these pieces together, um, I feel, like I said, more grounded in this. And so like, you can't think of like people walk around and say like, Oh, I have MTHFR. And so like this one, which is, is important. Don't get me wrong. But for various things that we're, what we're learning, thankfully, is that these genes are networked with sometimes up to 20 other pathways or more that you have to kind of look at networks of genes together and you have to know how they talk to each other to kind of come up with a conclusion about like, what's that mean in the risk, risk scenario? So like, um, for example, if I have MTHFR, ApoE34, and a TNF-alpha SNP, then my, my risk of Alzheimer's disease goes like significantly up. But if I have one of those and don't have the other two, then it's sort of kind of along the lines of more normal risk for those disorders. So like working with someone that actually knows 
how to network these um, scenarios and how has works with tools that pull together the data. Now, a clinician like myself is not a geneticist. Like, how could I ever have the time to kind of study these like individual um, polymorphisms? I would have no time for my family, my friends, my practice exercise. I'd be like, you know, sort of this like crazy scientist. Um, so I rely on, you know, like a system like IntelliX DNA, which is a tool that I got trained in and the, the founder president is, um, she's a Harvard trained geneticist. And like, when you're learning from her, you're like, okay, like this is someone who like has, you know, done the work and understands this scenario. And so I think it's really important for people to kind of make sure that they're not like pumping their genetic data into some kind of engine um, and trying to interpret it themselves work with a trained professional. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not pointing at myself. I'm just saying like, go, go to someone who really has um, invested in learning various tools. Um, like one of, you know, there, there are a few out there like that um, like Opus um, is a good system and Stratagene and uh, IntelliX DNA is the one I'm currently involved with um, that I I'm using with my patients. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to point that out. People are going to be bummed if they don't live in Washington and they hear this, and they're going to be like, "I want to run this test with Dr. Adam." So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, there the the people like with Intellex, like like I said, I'm happy to link people up with anybody in the country. Um, you know, there there's a just like an amazing group of people there that have learned that tool. Um, that. Uh, you know, just like I sit on some of the, their, their, um, continuing education courses and various other things and just really passionate people, especially if you're, if you have a child that's struggling with autism or, um, someone, especially like a teenager um, who's really struggling with mental health, um, these can provide, you know, some, some clues and answers. Love that. I could talk to you all day, but I know time is very valuable. So I want to ask a couple rapid-ish fire questions, and okay. then you can tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can listen to the podcast, all of that. So okay. you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So I know you did a post on your Instagram and you said, stop hacking the body and start listening to it, which I love because I'm always like, you can't biohack your way out of the basics. So I would love <laughs> to hear one or two biohacks quote that you think are overrated and that you think are underrated. So one biohack that's maybe overrated and one biohack that's maybe underrated and actually has some validity. Mm. Um, so let's see. Bio or you could be like, they're all garbage. Don't biohack. You can say whatever you no, want. I, I mean, I'll tell you like for myself, let me start with the ones that I like think are really valid. So like, I think this whole biohack of contrast hydrotherapy, like cold, hot showers is phenomenal. And, and, uh, like a good breathing practice, um, that helps you with change your physiology is phenomenal. Um, I think red light therapy has a lot of promise and has a lot of good data as does, you know, sauna and fasting and, um, I guess I, you know, like, 
I know you're a coffee lover and I like my coffee too. And, you know, I have like a, like a love like relationship with it. Um, but, uh, you know, the bulletproof coffee thing, like, I think it's, I love coffee. I don't love bulletproof coffee. And I've been on podcast and I have will die on that hill saying that. But that's yeah, that's so that's butter. Talking. Like I know, like in its roots, like in the Himalayas, it started from like tea and butter, um, like putting like butter in your tea and you know, various other things. So I, I think there's some validity, but for me it's like, you know, um, drink your coffee. Yeah, drink it. Black. I think yeah. Okay. Um, I love it. That's, that's one thing, um, you know, and, uh, now I also get really concerned about <laughs> these people that try to stack a lot of different compounds, like, you know, stacking supplements, like stack, like how high are you going to stack these things? And like the, some of them are just so stimulatory to the brain that, um, I get a little worried about that. That, that kind of drives me crazy. I like formulas that have balance mm. and like, look at the whole body. And I think some formulas that are performance-based think about like, it's kind of like a dude thought of it. Like, I'm just going to push. It's like, it's like bro science. I'm going to just push this one pathway and the rest of your body doesn't matter. Yes. You know, we do like, not approve of bro science on the Brianna approved podcast. So, you know, I, I get kind of like page. when someone says I've, I stack like these five things and I, that, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. So sorry. That was little... actually going to be one of my rapid fires is, is what, it, what do you think is one of the most overrated nutraceuticals or supplements um, that you're kind of seeing trending ish right now or herbs or something that you're just seeing a lot of just like kind of overrated? Um, or underrated. You could go, you can go either way. One that you're like, people should really lean into this more. Well, um, I mean, I think that everybody should lean into NAC. Yes. N-acetylcysteine and glutathione, like that's, I mean, if that was in the water, that would be really cool. Like, wow. Yeah. Would, oh my God. You could totally invent like NAC water. <laughs> oh my God. That could be the product so. for you. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really like that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I think there's always sort of like, um, validity in a lot of things people are doing, but like the biggest thing I would say is, um, every product out there, if it doesn't speak to the pathophysiology of what, like of what it's treating and, don't doesn't have any semblance of the mechanisms that it's treating. I get a little bit suspicious about. So like everything runs to those filters to me is like, what's the mechanism? Sometimes they don't know, or sometimes they only know in cell lines and that's fine. Like at least they're, they're working towards it. Um, and then what's, how's it going to bring balance to the body? And so I guess I just, you know, really focus on that. I, I don't really have like one that drives me crazy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm always, really keen to the fact that, um, people make claims of very supplements, um, of what they do, but they've never been studied in, in humans. Mm -hmm. And so that's okay too, as long as it's up front. So I'm, I'm really opposed to like saying something works in a certain way without the disclaimer that it's never been used in humans. Yeah. 
I think on my tombstone, it will say, what is the mechanism of action? Because that is a question I'm always encouraging patients to ask for anything. Like, what is the mechanism of action we are ultimately trying to go? So I love that you said that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. two more questions, and then you can tell everybody where they can follow you. Okay. Um, what is one or two things that somebody should do every single day to optimize gene expression? Hmm. Yeah, so I'm... I'm really big on clean water. Um, you know, so I think that our water is sort of this, this, uh, overlooked kind of source of what is causing health problems. And so to optimize gene expression, you would want to keep, um, certain metals and kind of plastic exposures out of your body, you know, so the more toxic our body it is, the more our liver gets overloaded, the more our liver gets overloaded, the more um, inflammation we get in our body, the more inflammation we get in our body, the more genes start going crazy. So things that you are do every day, like drink water, um, you know, and you should kind of look for a clean source, whether it's a filtration system or, um, you know, uh, reverse osmosis system. I am really big on that. Um, that's kind of been my big thing. Um, the other thing is, um, like when it's, when it's said and done, like a lot of people like are, are like flooded with Instagram stuff, like do this, do that, do this, like this 10, like I could do like most of the things on Instagram when I was like 21 on summer break, (laughs) like, yeah, I could do all that. But usually like as life goes, you get like, more and more demands. And I would say the one thing that's like, probably if you can only do one thing, like, uh, that's going to be most impactful on gene expression is really guard your sleep. Yes. Like if, if you can't eat right for the day and you got your sleep, you win. Like, like the sleep is to me, like the, the biggest thing that, um, we have the most control over in certain stages of our life. Um, and sometimes we don't, but, um, that, that would, I would say that would be the biggest thing on gene expression. Why? Because circadian rhythm really messes with, with our gene expression. Um, it messes with our cortisol levels, which impact gene expression. Um, and, uh, also we tend to get more adiposity tissue. We tend to have raised, uh, altered metabolism, which raises inflammation, So inflammation equals altered gene expression, like good. I should rephrase that because that's another thing that needs to be clear. There's good inflammation. We need inflammation, but when inflammation gets unchecked and it becomes chronic and upregulated and out of control, then gene expression can come, can take a hit. Love, love that so much. Okay. Last question. If you could give one piece of health advice to your younger self, or if you had a tagline for health right now that you feel like you want to list, leave for the listeners, what would that be? Yeah, I'm thinking of my my five year old right now because like he he he's my second chance of like you know, um, I mean I think it's I think it's important to uh, realize that. Um, the number, and I think this kind of goes along with what, what your 
what you're some things you're about is like anxiety about things needs to be addressed. So like if you become too healthy to the point where it causes you anxiety, that's a problem because then you can go, you can, you can become sick being overly healthy. And then on the other hand, if you don't care, well, we all know the story there. So I think it's important just to find your sweet spot and to find a way to um, have balance and enjoy like life in a way that brings you peace and happiness um, and not anxiety over I could do more. So like, I think whenever something you're watching or engaging in triggers something in you, pay attention to that. That might not be medicinal for you, but if something's like causes these shoulders to kind of relax, which is your vagus nerve, like signal, it's like, hmm, lean in. This might be like nourishing and juicy and loving, and it might take you to the next next place in your life. But I think people, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing I'm guarding against. And if in my, you know, I would have really loved to get that message early on. Love that. I think that's such a powerful message. Well, Dr. Adam, everybody I know is going to love this and want to get all of your knowledge and listen, binge listen to all of your episodes. So (laughs) where can people find you? Um, Where can people listen to you and any other um, website information maybe that people can just be in like loving all things Dr. Adam? Thank you. Yeah, this has been really fun. And thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think the best thing, you know, I would love for people to, um, kind of look up the one thing podcast with, uh, Dr. Adam Rindy, and it's on, um, all the players, you know, like it's on my website at soundintegrative.com soundintegrative.com. There's a blog on my website. I would love for people to listen to, um, and the also check out the nonprofit that, um, that I'm that I founded called Blankets for Cancer. We support the socioeconomic needs of pediatric cancer patients um, and their families. Um, something near and dear to my heart. Um, we lost our first son to pediatric cancer, and um, you know I'm just passionate about that. And anything you can do to get involved with that, either volunteering or supporting us, um, would be great. And um, yeah, just uh, and what's you your know, Instagram handle so people can follow oh, you as well? Yeah. It's Dr. Adam. Rindy, R I N D E. And uh, yeah, um, follow me there. Um, always looking to do more teaching, educating, and connecting with others. And, and I'm really passionate about, you know, just making sure people get access to this medicine and get access to good practitioners that will, will um, treat you well. And where can people read your articles that you contribute to as well? Um, I mean, I put them all up on my website, soundintegrative.com. So that's probably the best, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's some naturopathic journals that I write for and, um, but yeah, it'll all be in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for being an amazing soul and physician that you are. And, um, I thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.